I'm Eric Martin. Welcome to Feeding Your Passion, the podcast for the entrepreneur and the food connoisseur. I'll be your host for our exclusive VIP dining experience where you'll meet top restaurateurs and other special guests. First, you'll get to know our celebrity restaurant owner, enjoy an amazing front-of-the-house virtual culinary experience, and then wrap up by learning key action steps, insights, and inspiration for thriving in the food service industry. Now, let's get rolling. Okay, Passion Nation, welcome to Episode 9 of Feeding Your Passion, the podcast for the entrepreneur and the food connoisseur. I'm your host, Eric Martin, and I'm super excited to be here today with Mr. John Wilson out of Lexington, North Carolina. Okay, John, before I give you a full and proper introduction, say what's up to Passion Nation. Hey, what's up, Passion Nation? Glad to be here. All right. Sounds good. So, uh, Chef John Wilson is the owner of Sophie's Cork and Ale in Lexington, North Carolina. Uh, Chef John is 31 years old. He lived in Lexington, North Carolina since he was nine. He started out washing dishes at a local country club while he was in high school when he was 16 years old. He was always intrigued by what was going on around him in the restaurant while he was scrubbing dishes. So eventually, a cook left. He asked if he could step in to that role and, and just learn more about the restaurant. He instantly made friendships in the country club. Uh, that would eventually help him get to where he is today as a restaurant owner. He cooked at a couple of country clubs, was promoted to sous chef, and eventually landed another sous chef chef job in Greensboro, North Carolina at the Iron Hen Cafe. He then made his way to Willow's Bistro, where his education flourished under Chef Travis Myers, who was the 2018 North Carolina Chef of the Year. Chef John lives in a small town that's trying to be more progressive these days and bring a spark back to the small town. He learned about a wine bar that was opening in Lexington and uh, that they would be serving food. So he got his first head chef job after three years was offered the opportunity from the original owners to buy the restaurant. And so he has been the owner since April 2019. He's also a graduate of Guilford Technical Community College with his associate's degree in culinary arts. He won Best Chef Under 30 in 2018 in the Piedmont Triad area. So it's, you know, Chef John has a story that is kind of the essence of our industry and knowledge is passed down from one generation to the next. Uh, When you've got leadership skills, you step in and you take the bull by the horns, then opportunities kind of present themselves. So I'm excited about Chef John being here with us today, we're going to learn from him as we jump into the front of the house experience. And as everybody knows, um, as I've gotten to know a lot of restaurant owners over the years, it's just a different experience when you go dine in their restaurant when you know the owner. So uh, we're going to uh, jump into the front of the house experience. So Chef John, what do you want our front of the house VIPs to know about your restaurant's unique experience that they may not know um you know we like like you were mentioning before in the introductory uh that we're we're a small town that kind of you know we kind of 
lost our ways or whatever, didn't keep up. We kind of fell behind a little bit or whatever, and things started shutting down uh, probably, you know, 10, 15 years ago. And now we're trying to revive everything, and we're doing a good job over the past five years. Um, Sophie's is just when everybody comes in here, they, they say, Oh my gosh, we feel like we're in like a huge city. We feel like we're in Charlotte or something like that. And, and just even before I own this place, always hearing that, I was like, wow. Like, you know, I live two blocks away. And, and just to hear people come in here and say that after years of there's nothing to do here, there's nothing, you know, it's just fast food and barbecue. And, and here we are and we're just cranking out all kinds of fusion dishes, new American cuisine, old school, whatever we feel like doing. And, um, and also want people to know that I'm here every day cooking. Like if you're, if you're eating here, there is a 99.9% chance that I had something to do with that dish, like physically cooking it. You know, I'm always in the kitchen cooking. That is great. And to give that experience, um, you know, you save them a drive to Charlotte or Raleigh or, you know, the other big cities in your area. So uh, that is great. So tell us, looking at the menu, uh, what is the most popular or highest volume item on your menu? Describe that offering for us. Uh Believe it or not, it's actually an item that is not on the menu. And I know that sounds weird and everything, It's but, uh, you know, we've been open almost four and a half years now. And the original owners, they just wanted this place to be a wine wine bar and a craft beer and a little, you know, cheese boards and stuff like that. Well, they hired me and I was like, oh my gosh, we can do so much more here. And we started doing this and doing that. And I love burgers and I love like craft burgers is what I call them. Just monster crazy burgers. And um, I started doing those and those just really took off. And we, we never put them on the menu. So what we do is we just, we just run them daily as a special and we do whatever we want. I mean, not your average bacon cheeseburger either, like anything on there. We put chicken on there. We put pork belly on there. We put lamb on a burger, like on a burger with the, you know, ground beef. So, uh, so, you know, we, we do all that kind of cool stuff and everything and, and the burgers and, and we don't, our kitchen is very small here. We don't have a deep fryer or nothing, so we don't have fries. And that was the whole idea behind doing the the big burgers. Like, well, I'm going to do burgers so big that people don't even think about French fries. So that kind of took off. And like, and they're still not on the menu. You know, with the pandemic and everything, we were about to uh, expand our kitchen. We were about to uh, grow our menu and everything. But of course, that set us back, and we haven't yet. But we have burgers. All of our servers know we have burgers we can do all the time. Um, some burgers we've done in the past. We have about five crazy burgers we can do. And then um, plus whatever burger we're doing that day. And we always switch it up. So we, we, we keep it entertaining. The burgers are hit. That's great. So yeah. it shows that uh, you're meeting the needs of your customers. It's not on the menu. It's what they want. And right. uh, it's the highest volume, and it's, highest it's volume people- item. People come here and like, let me get one of them burgers I've been seeing. And, you know, they see all kinds of burgers and they'll ask for the chicken burger or the buffalo burger or whatever they seen last week. Maybe we don't have that, but this week's burger catches their eye or something. And we we can always satisfy the customer if they come in just wanting a crazy burger that they've seen on, you know, on social media from us. Great. I've, I've you know. I'm getting hungry. It's getting close to lunchtime. I've yeah. seen your pictures on social media on Instagram and hearing you talk about them. We'll talk more about your Instagram pictures as we roll, but uh, it makes me want to drive to Lexington, North Carolina and have a burger yeah, for lunch. I, so, I, I bet it'd be worth it. Absolutely. Sounds great. 
So what is another uh, chef rec- recommended item that we must try when we come visit your restaurant? Tell us about that item. Um, we, we do, gosh, there's so many, but, uh, there, let me, let me throw this out there. It's not a particular item, but a wine dinner. We, we, we do wine dinners. Uh, we try to do them monthly. Um, sometimes it's every other month, but the, the wine dinners are just a chance for me to, uh, cook stuff that I don't usually cook on the regular menu. They're always a hit too. And, um, it's four, four to five courses like that, um, paired with a wine or we do beer dinners. We've done a wine and beer dinner. Um, we don't have liquor here, but down the road we'll do that. But, um, wine dinner monthly, if you can never make it to a wine dinner, you know, just check us out. We're always advertising it and gosh, there's just so much stuff. And I hate to leave you with that answer, but if you must have one thing that you can come try here on the menu, uh, our, our pork belly Cuban sandwich is a, is a uh, hit around here. There's a couple other restaurants around here that have Cuban sandwich on the menu, but they don't have a pork belly Cuban. And uh, yeah. I just thought that would be different and unique to do. And I always, I love pork belly and uh, chef Travis Myers, the chef we had talked about earlier. He taught me the best recipe for uh, pork belly. And I get compliments right. on the pork belly all the time. So Great. pork belly Cuban. The pork belly Cuban, we'll have the to come try that. Cuban and I tell you, the, yeah, and the wine dinner, I mean, to have a five-course meal created by a chef, that creates an experience, you know, and I think that's what food service and hospitality is all about is, you know, it's experience. Everybody works hard and taking care of their family, and they want to go out and, you know, relax on a on a weekend or, you know, a special occasion, and and I think a uh, five course wine dinner that you've created uh, is a uh, great item on the menu. Great draw, absolutely. And and that's just just like the burgers. People know we do those all the time. I mean, we haven't even released the menu for the next one, and we've already got people signed up for it. So I mean, yeah, they're, they're hits. Great, yeah, great, great. Okay, so. Um, Share with us a key front-of-the-house strategy, core value, or behavior geared toward max- maximizing each guest experience in your restaurant. You know, um, I, I, I'm, I'm everything here. Uh, I'm, I'm the manager and everything. I, well, I'm lying. I actually just hired a front-of-house manager this week. Um, since the pandemic, we had to rebuild and everything. But one thing that I just always tell my servers, you know, is, you know, and this is basic, but just always be attentive, always be attentive. Um, our service here, they're sectioned off and everything. They have their tables, but we all work together. So, you know, Susie might be helping um, Jim with his table and Jim's going to help Susie with her table. And that's just how we roll around here. And we do, you know, not even just me, the owner, but my servers, you know, we we have a lot of servers that's worked here uh, for for quite a while. Um, and we we know personally know about 90% of our customers and by name, you know, they walk in the door, Hey, Mr. So-and-so, how are you? And everything. And it's, and, and, you know, I've been cooking for these people around here for, since I was 16 in the country clubs. And then, you know, Sophie's opened up and they started coming out um, to Sophie's. And so I've been cooking for all these people for gosh, 15 years, you know, plus. And so we, we have that really, we, we really do have that relationship with our customer, just about everyone. We, 
you know, I, I hired a new cook recently and I'm reading tickets back there and I'm like, oh, and I'm looking out the window. I'm like, this is for so-and-so. This is, and he's like, you know, every customer. I'm like, yeah, I do. I really do. So that creates a sustainable business, right? I mean, everybody yeah. is saying, hey, how do I get a deeper connection with my customers and with you being consistent and uh, serving them for the past 15 years, that does create a deep connection and, and creates this. I mean, you're feeding your community and uh, that's the richness of the fabric of the restaurant industry and the communities where you do, where everybody does business. Yeah. So that is great. Well, great. That, that wraps up our uh, front of the house segment. We're going to shift gears and move into the back of the house segment uh, where you can share some insights and inspiration with our listeners. Um, so what is one thing you feel like you've done really well in the development of your restaurant? Staying consistent. Um, honestly, staying, staying consistent is the most important thing to me. And, you know, my staff knows that and I preach it all the time. I preach it all the time and, I get upset sometimes when things aren't consistent, but we try, we, you got to keep them consistent and we're not, you know, we have a small menu and we do a lot of specials and a lot of rotating thing, which goes back to our whole conversation earlier. It's just I, getting, getting the customer to trust your restaurant, um, not just your food, not just your product, but your staff, your, your tables, your chairs, everything, you know, we, we have a really nice restaurant here. We're proud of it. Um, when I hire people, I'm like, I, I don't mean to sound snobby or anything. I was like, but we, we, we think we're the best restaurant in this town. We act like we're the best restaurant in town. You know, we're not saying anything bad about the other ones, but that's our motto here. And that's, that's how we do things. And we're and not in a snobby way. I don't want to act like we're that, but you know, we're, we're very prideful here at Sophie's and I think it shows. Absolutely. And I think that consistency is important. I mean, people go out for that experience, you know, they go out for the food, but they go out for the experience, the relationship, and and they don't want to be hitting curveballs. If they consistently know the quality of the food and, and the service and what to expect when they come in, I uh, I think that that is a great piece of advice in, in so many ways. So, um, let's talk about this. This is kind of a deeper dive into that question. I've looked at your Instagram and seen some of the pictures that you created. And you and I talked a little bit when we first uh, connected about this. Um, I think something you've done really well is uh, you've learned how to take food pictures. And uh, so talk to everybody about that. That's so important. And you have done an exceptional job with that. So tell us about that. It is. I could talk, I could talk for hours about this, this part. Um, I, you know, um, back in maybe 2015, I was working, uh, with chef Travis Myers and he was, uh, he was new to Willows too. And he uh, was like, you need to get an Instagram account and you need to start taking pictures. And I was kind of doing it on Facebook a little bit, but I didn't have an Instagram and I was like, it's just pictures or whatever. And, um, I don't know. He did, he told me to get one. I did it and I fell in love with it. Just Creating the food is awesome. I mean, we all know that creating the food, cooking it, putting it all together. But then just to take a picture and showcase it. And, you know, to me, it's I see food differently. I see food as art. I see food as product. I see, you know, it's just cre I'm an artist and taking a picture. Photographers are artists, too. Um, so there's all there's so many artist concepts into cooking. And especially when you Absolutely. put it up, blast it out on social media and all that. So. 
probably three years ago, I discovered I was, I started going out hiking and stuff, taking pictures of nature. I was like, I really enjoy photography now. And that all came from food. Um, and that's awesome. So then I started taking pictures of stuff and we hang it around the restaurant and we sell it. So, um, and with other artists, but including mine, but the food, you, you got to take pictures of your food. You've got to, you've got to make it look nice too. But that, let's go back to talking about being consistent. You know, let's not just make that one burger look nice for that picture because when the customer gets there, they're going to want it to look like it did in a picture. And I preach that too, you know, and um, if somebody else is plating a dish that I posted a picture of earlier and it doesn't look like that. And I, I'll say that, but Hey guys, they ordered this because they seen it on, you know, social media earlier and, and it looked like this. So we got to plate it just like this. And also, you know, posting these pictures, I try to, I'm, I'm pretty much a daily guy. I take pictures daily and post them. I try to get them done early in the mornings that way. And I'll tag everybody that works here in them, uh, especially if they're working that day. So if they're at their other job or they're not there that, uh, they're not there for their shift yet or whatever. They, they'll see that before they get to work and be like, all right, this is the special tonight or this is what we're doing. And yeah. And I list all the ingredients, all that. It's man, Instagram and social media has really helped me out a lot. And if you want to talk about like filtering the pictures and stuff, um, I'm not, you know, a lot of people are like, Oh, don't filter the picture and blah, blah, blah. I disagree with that. I say you can filter the picture, but don't overdo it. Still make it look, like it real, like it's just, just sitting there, you know, just highlighted a little bit. I think a couple of years ago, I was probably putting too many filters and making my food look too fancy, like too bright and stuff like that. And it wasn't looking like real, I mean, good food and everything. And it looked like that when you get here, but those filters and I learned how to tone it down and just, just a little bit of filter, just brighten it up, catch people's eye. But I promise like always that the food is going to look like it does in the picture. And that's a big thing to me. So. Yeah, I think that's important that they see it, they expect it, and when it's delivered, it builds that trust. So, uh, you know, and you're you're gifted at that, so people can learn from you. I recommend that. Uh, so, what's your? How do we find you on Instagram so that everybody can go and look at your pictures? It's uh, Chef John Wilson. There we go, Chef John Wilson. So, one yeah, of my Chef partners, Greg Penn. You had met Greg Penn, and Greg Penn has been following you since then and and he said man you need to talk to chef john wilson and so that's how we connected because you've been posting those pictures he's a foodie and so all foodies need to check out uh chef john wilson on instagram and and look at his look at his pictures and daily post and and just for me i i get so much inspiration off of i mean my favorite chefs i could probably say them and like people don't know who they are unless they're like deep into the chef world and you're in social media like that. But people ask me all the time, who's my favorite chef. And I think they're expecting to answer like Bobby Flay or Gordon Ramsay or something like that. But like I always have, I have two favorite chefs and uh, Charles Lee and Andrew Delaney. And I just found them through social media, but they inspire me so much. That's great. It's hey. You know, who who our association with is important. And when you see people in the arena doing what you want to do and they inspire you, then we can associate with them through books, podcasts, uh, and also through social media. So that sounds great. So moving on to the next question, what is one thing you now know that you wish you would have known when you started your food service industry, when you started your food service journey? Mm. I wish I would have known 
I wish I would have known that, you know, honestly, how challenging it would be. Not that I would have stepped away from it or anything, but early getting into cooking, I was like, always thought it was easy. And I always thought it was kind of easy, honestly, at first. And it it is still easy. But when you're having fun and you just got to you got to make sure you're staying passionate. And that's not that is a choice. Sometimes it's you know, you got to help yourself um, not get burnout and stuff like that. So. I would, you know, I've, I go through phases where, you know, and you know, the, um, that's how I met Greg. I I thought I I thought about getting out of cooking and everything. And I was just like, uh, but I learned, um, that you just gotta, you gotta help yourself stay focused and not lose track. And like people, I hear chefs all the time saying, Oh, I got burnout or whatever. And I don't cook no more or this or that, but I get it. And the daily grind can do that. But you, you got like I keep saying, you got to help yourself and you got to be aware of where you're at in your career and where you're at in your personal life and all that and what's going on and what's doing. Um, and just just stay aware. And absolutely. I would I would tell myself, you know, uh, just be prepared. And if you're going to do do something like like being a chef or cooking or going to culinary school, just go in 110% and, and don't quit. And I'm still, you know, I'm still going up. So I'm not quitting. Absolutely. You know, and I've, I've been in the industry for 28 years and, and uh, put in a long, a lot of long hours over the years and talking to a lot of restaurant owners right now during the pandemic. I do, I do think it's important that, you know, we structure our businesses in a way that, that, you know, we can take, um, some time off and have some breathers and, you know, because we don't want to burn out. We want it to be long-term and sustainable. And, uh, our customers want that is what's best for them long-term, but, but, uh, being able to stay engaged, connected, passionate, but also being able to step away and take a breather and let the stress down and then come back and go again, because it's a, it's a, one of the best piece of pieces of advice I've had. And it just ties in right here. Paul Hudson, who is um, one of the key guys uh, with Cisco Nashville here in Nashville, when I had the opportunity to buy uh, the brokerage company that I'm now a partner in today, he he said, "Hey, Eric, uh, you know it's a it's a marathon, not a sprint." And I think that's true for any aspect of the food service in you know, food service industry and really any business. I mean, there's no business that's easy. It's just finding something you're passionate about that you can stay refreshed in doing and engaged and, and step into your, your skill set and gifting. Yeah. And, so, and keep it fun. And that's simply keep it fun. Said, just keep it fun. Yeah, absolutely. Have fun with it. We're serving food, right. And making right. people happy. Absolutely. Love it. So, so uh, take us to your worst, most challenging moment as a restaurant tour. Tell us that story and then what you learned or gained through that experience. Well, I haven't been a restaurant tour too long, so I would say coronavirus, honestly. Um, right. A lot of people are saying that. Yeah, yeah. I, I can imagine. Um, who would have who would have thought, you know, um, I, early in, in, in making the decision to it took me a couple months to decide, you know, the, owner, the previous owners that laid it out on the table for me. Like, we'll give you time to think about it if you want to do this, you know, buy the restaurant, whatever. So I took about it and I'm I'm not a I think and think and think about decisions, big decisions like that sometimes. So I took a while and thought about it and I was nervous, almost didn't do it. I was going to do it. I wasn't going to do it. And here I am. I did it. And then, you know, 
after a couple months, I was like, this is awesome. You know, things are good. I, I felt proud of myself. I was like, we're doing good. Um, you know, I'm not losing money. I'm making money and we're progressing. You know, we're progressing. Things are getting better at the restaurant, this and that, blah, blah, blah. And then boom, coronavirus. So that threw me through a loop. Um, but I, you know, I just, again, going back to our last conversation, I just, I was like, all right, well, this is what we got to do. And, um, you know, I had to lay everybody off except myself and two servers, one to help me in the morning, one to help me at night. And not to mention a month into it, I broke my foot outside of work. And mm. so I'm back here like hobbling around on one of them little scooter knee, knee chair things. And, um, so as a restauranteur, coronavirus has been, but, and I haven't been a, uh, restauranter that long, but I have a lot of support around here and everything. So, um, you know, before coronavirus, it was, it wasn't easy. It was fun. You know, we were just rolling and everything was great. Um, but yeah, man, coronavirus. Yeah. It's a, it's a challenge and we've all learned a lot as we pivot and, and continue forward, you know, it's just kind of continuing to grind forward. So, uh, to, to inspire industry innovation, what are the biggest challenges you are facing today? And this can be from a, you know, food product standpoint, uh, technology standpoint, equipment or packaging perspective. Uh, I can tell you a little bit about all that because that all is problems right now. Honestly, um, staffing has been was probably the first issue that popped up once we were allowed to reopen and everything. Um, staffing has probably been the biggest issue. Um feels like sometimes, you know, we're okay, we got, we're good. We got some employees and then, you know, they find another job, a better job or, or things are too slow at the restaurant certain times for them or this or that. And, um, but staffing, uh, shipping and like getting deliveries and everything delivered. I order from probably about eight to 10 different places and, and even even the local farms all the way to Cisco corporate U.S. foods, all that. It's just before you could order something day before next day, it'd be there between eight and ten. You knew it was going to be there. Now it's like you can put a whole order in and half of your stuff might not show up. And it's hard. It's so hard to plan that stuff. You know, you write your specials out. You're waiting on the truck to come like, well, I ordered salmon yesterday. I'm going to do this, blah, 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 salmon this. And then the salmon doesn't show up. And. You've basically made a whole salmon dish and now you have no salmon and I'm running to the store 20 times a day to get stuff because stuff doesn't come in or the timing factor or it's showing up at eight in the morning or it's showing up at six in the evening. Um, so that's been not fun. And, you know, at first it was like one company. I was like, well, I'll just do it with this company since this company's, you know, kind of understaffed and all that. I understand they're going through things, too. So. But it's everybody right now. It's everybody's, yeah. you know, every company is like that right now. And it's frustrating. But this is just where we're at today in life and in the industry. And you've got to um, you just got to work things out and work around it. Um, you know, I, doing. yeah, I think we've got to lock arms and in, in looking at, uh, you know, some of the processors and with coronavirus. I mean, they've had to slow lines down, you know, put um you know, shields up in between people and you have less people on a line that's that are processing products. And so there's less production. And so shipping, you know, they become shipping issues. You're right. I mean, it's important that, you know, whether it's the sales side or the chef side or the consumer side, we've all got to lock arms, stick together, 
you know, having knowledge. I, I think during challenging times, more communication is better than less communication. So understanding what's going on, why is it happening? And I would tell from a from a supply chain perspective, I'll tell everybody out there that's listening, hey, it's not the restaurant. You know, I mean, there are uh, a lot of pieces to the puzzle. The supply chain was broken. It's coming back together. It'll continue to get better every week. Uh, and there is hope in the future, but there have been challenges during this time beyond the shadow of a doubt. Yeah. And another another big uh, challenge is, you know, before Corona, we we knew we knew our restaurant pretty well. We're like, OK, we can always count on Friday nights to be jam packed, busy and everything this day to be uh, busy. OK, well, maybe this day's a little bit slower. But now it is more unpredictable than ever uh, of how business is going to go daily. So it's hard to prepare for that. It's hard to order for that. It's just all a big circle that makes it all hard you know, to operate right, right now. But like I right. said, we just, you, you got to do it. You know, there's nothing else you can do right now. Absolutely. Hang in there. We lock arms, encourage each other, keep Absolutely. moving forward because ultimately the food service industry, the food industry in general is extremely resilient. There are 330 million people in this country that eat, you know, two to three meals a day plus snacks. And uh, so it will bounce back and we just have to continue to move forward. You're right. Move the ball forward. Great. So uh, what, this is a great chef question right here. So what is your favorite cooking technique or preparation method for serving a solid menu item and why? For serving a solid menu item. Um, now, do you mean just as far like as how, how would I go about creating a solid menu? Item? Maybe a, a, a kind of a cooking technique, whether it's, um, you know, frying or, or uh, braising or we, okay. uh, smoking. Or, yeah, we yeah. do a lot of braising here because, again, we have a very small kitchen. We don't have a deep fryer, um, so we hardly ever do any frying. Um, and we we do a lot of braising here. We do, um, just like I was talking about the pork belly earlier, and people don't not even always realize how, you know, that it was braised or whatever, maybe not that braising's horrible, but I learned, I learned good classic braising from Chef Travis back in the day and, uh, it stuck with me forever. So, uh, so I do love braising. Um, I love smoking too. We'll smoke some stuff. I love getting all kinds of different chips and, and soaking them in different liquids too. Um, like that. And, you know, water, of course, everybody does that. Apple juice, orange juice. Um, I've even soaked them in, uh, uh, Jack Daniels before and stuff like that. So, I wish we had a fire. We'll get a fire. We'll be doing more frying. Yeah. Uh, but braising is definitely our way to go right now. Um, as far as like creating, you know, just a solid menu or anything, this is how I tell people are always asking me, how do you come up with all these unique dishes and this and that? And when I order, you know, weekly or whatever, um, this is how I order. I'm like, well, I usually start with like a protein and I'm like, well, we hadn't had this in a while or whatever. I hadn't cooked this before. I love cooking new things all the time. And like, well, we hadn't had, you know, pork belly in a while or whatever. So let's get some pork belly. And then um, what's what's available? What's in season? What are the farmers? What are they offering? What's at the farmer's market right now? Um, go pick up some butternut squash. Go pick up some uh, some sage or this or that or whatever's in season and come back and try to put all that together, you know, with everything I know and everything about cooking. And that's how the specials and the food comes out, you know, and just knowing my customer base to um, Sophie's has been when we first started here, 
our customers, we couldn't even put aioli on the specials board. They were like, what is aioli? And we had to explain everything. So, but these days we're, we're pushing the limits and selling dry aged steaks and everything these days. So. Fantastic. That sounds good. And, and, um, you know, anybody that is listening to this to hear the, the thought and process of building your menu, you know, I know it keeps them curious to come in and see uh, what you're going to be serving next. So that is great. Well, great. That, um, that brings us uh, to the end of the back of the house segment. Okay. And uh, let's, um, let's move in to the final crumbs. So uh, one of my favorite quotes, this is a lightning round segment is um, I'd rather eat a crumb from the table of a winner than a full meal from the table of a loser. And I tell you, we're here uh, with Chef John Wilson. He is uh, in the arena. He's got the smoke of battle coming off of him. So uh, we're excited to learn from you today on this lightning round. So what is the one thing that you're the most passionate about today? Uh, one thing I'm most passionate about today is my restaurant, just my restaurant. Um, I talk about it all the time. I, you know, Thanksgiving was just two days ago and seen some family I hadn't seen in a while. Always. That's, that's all I ever get to talk about. Even if I'm, if I don't bring it up, someone else brings it up to me and I'm always, always, always thinking about this restaurant. Um, what can we do next? And especially with the pandemic, I'm like this, I'm sure as every restaurant owner is, it's just, what can we do next? What can we, what can we do to set ourselves apart that, you know, what's the next big idea for restaurants or that? I'm always thinking about that. Um, I'm passionate about food, man. I just, uh, you know, I'm thinking about trying to write a cookbook soon and all that. Um, I seen a chef that kind of has inspired me over the years, uh, locally. He, he did one a couple years ago and, I was like, yeah. that's really cool. I think I could do that. So food and Sophie's and my little old town, Lexington, is pretty what I'm passionate about these days. That's great. Yeah. That um, hey, uh, Food is part of life, and, and it's a great way to serve the community, no doubt. So what is the best advice you've ever received? The best advice I've ever received is just be you and don't stop. Um, I get told that all the time and mostly from like customers and food related, you know, and, you know, somebody asked me, I think last night, someone, one of my customers asked me like, you know, he's like, well, from what I know about you outside of work, you seem like a really good guy and everything. And I was like, there, there really isn't too much outside of work to me It's it's food. You know, if I'm, if I'm outside of work, I'm, I'm writing menus or stuff like that, you know, and, um, just, just keep going, whatever, you know, I really do believe that whatever I'm doing and just keep doing it. And I've, for these past couple of years, I've just been cooking and doing my thing, man. And yeah, kind of do. I'm trying and to you're developing great skills and finding, you know, what you're gifted at and what, what people respond to, yeah. you know, and, and, and then that's working in your gifting and making an impact. I, I'm like, I feel so blessed and fortunate to have found, you know, a passion. I really do. And I feel like everybody has a passion. I don't always feel like everybody gets to find their passion, but that's why I feel blessed um, to have found my passion, something I'm good at, something I really enjoy. You know, um, I, I grew up with, you know, friends and everything. And, so, you know, some of them just 
took uh, took the left road instead of the right road and stuff like that. And I'm I, honestly, I, I think you know, I thank the Lord every day that I was that I was took the right road, and that's I keep that in the back of my head always that just to stay passionate. And I do love this, and you know, this was presented to me into my life for me, and this is what I'm doing. So absolutely great, sounds good. So. Uh, what book would you recommend to Passion Nation and why? Is there a is there a book or article or um, source of information that you would recommend? There is a I'm I saw that question. I'm not you know, I really not a really big book reader or nothing. Um I know that sounds horrible. Everybody's like, You don't read books? No, I don't read books. Um not really. Restaurants but, take a lot of time, right? Uh, yeah, they do. Um but like I said earlier, uh, I found a lot of passion and inspiration through Instagram. And I know that sounds so millennial or 2020, but hey, man, it is 2020. And that's just the way things are these days. And right. I'm 31. I'm kind of, you know, in between it or whatever. But I was like, I grasp it. And I, I love I love social media for the right. Let's, let's get this clear that my social media is full of food. You know, because I put myself into food, it's not really full of politics or sports or the reasons people say they don't like social media. You know, make your social media go the way you want it to go. You know, it's all about what you're liking, what you're following and all that. So if you don't want to deal with all the extra stuff in the world, just follow your like me. I just follow, you know, food stuff. And most of my Instagram is just full of food stuff. And I see stuff. I save it. I don't mimic it, but I'm like, wow, that is so cool. You know, and I'm like, how did this person do this? It's just so inspiring. If if you've ever felt inspiration, then you understand what I'm talking about, you know, just from seeing stuff and you're like, wow, I need to do some stuff like this, you know, or set my bar higher. My, or, you know, just when you think you're doing good, someone you see something else, you're like, oh, man, that makes mine look like this. And you're like, I got to do better. So I'm always thinking there like, you go. I do think social media and people you follow is a good source of uh, knowledge and inspiration for sure. So, um, okay. As we wrap up the lightning round, share one piece of advice for food service sales professionals to help them earn trusted advisor status with you. Um, I be loyal, you know, be loyal, be let's work together. Um, don't, you know, I was just explaining this to my family the other day. I feel like sometimes that, I don't know, you, you know, you know, food guys, they, you know, your food distributors and all that, they, they have, they work off commission a lot and they can control and everything. But like, especially during these times, I know we're all, the whole world is taking a hit and everything, but we've got to work together instead of, I don't know. I just feel like some, sometimes, or here recently, I feel like I have been, you know, somebody, maybe the prices were just crazy. And then I compare them to other ones and I'm like, why, why is that price so high? And I'm like, well, if I don't know what I'm trying to say here, but if, if we could just work together with like the pricing and all that stuff. And I, some food distributors I have are like right there with me all the time, you know, always like, what do you need? What do you need this? And then some I haven't seen since before the pandemic, you know, and honestly, Growing up, I used to wonder why the rep was always in the restaurant. Why is Mr. Cisco here all the time or so-and-so? But now as an owner and, uh, you know, a chef and and going through the pandemic, it, it's, 
it's really beneficial to have that right hand man right there, you know. Um, and then I think about the ones I have. They're part seen. of your team. Yeah, they're exactly. It's a team. It's a team effort, you know. Um, they're helping me. I'm helping them, and so on. And and that's we got a good little team here in in our little town of Lexington. We got a couple of restaurants and butcher shops around us. And through the pandemic, you know, it was so slow. We couldn't all afford to get a whole truck here or whatever and this and that. So we we're all working together, you know, trying to get stuff together and all that and splitting stuff up and all that. So that's great. That's, um, you know, that's kind of the face of the industry today. Everybody working together, you know, to kind of continue to move forward through this. Great. So uh, we're going to move into the sweet course and um, to wrap this VIP dining experience up. Chef John, if you would share with us and share with our listeners one final piece of sweet advice. One final piece of sweet advice. Um, just, I know I've said this already, just just follow your passion and, and, and be passionate, whatever you're doing. I can't, I can't stand to see people, whether it's my employees, friends, family, whatever, I can't stand to see people just doing something, you know, halfway. And if you're going to do it, just, and if you're doing something that you're not happy doing, then quit and find something you are happy doing. You know, you only got one life and life is short. And and if this pandemic hasn't taught any of us anything about that, even if we haven't lost anybody that we knew due to COVID or anything, just being cooped up in the house and not being able to do the things we used to be able to do should take should, you know, teach us all. Don't take all this for granted. And and if you're not happy, we all got to work most of us. Um, yep. So why not have fun doing what you're doing and being passionate about it? You know? Absolutely. Seek that out. And, and like you said, Hey, if you're not happy, go find something that you are passionate yeah. about, yeah. but I call that going mad. M A D make a decision. You yeah. got to make a decision. Nothing Maybe. happens until somebody makes a decision. If right? not, you're just going to sit there and nothing's going to change. That's right. Great. So as we wrap up, give, an owner's invitation uh, to our listeners to come visit you at your restaurant. Uh, yep, we're Sophie's Quirky now in Lexington, North Carolina. Our um, address is 23 West 2nd Avenue. And, you know, like I said earlier in the podcast, I know about 90% of my customers. And if I see a face out here I don't know, I'm generally going to walk up and introduce myself, at least ask you how your meal was, and we'll take the conversation from there. Um but I really, I really enjoy meeting all of our customers and everything. And if I don't know you, if I haven't met you, I'm sorry. But um, I'm, every day I'm out here, you know, introducing myself and all that. So fantastic. Sounds great. Passion Nation, thank you so much for joining us today. I also want to thank Chef John for serving the industry today by investing his time with us. Uh, go visit and support John Wilson at Sophie's Cork and Ale in Lexington, North Carolina. And remember, that you are the sum of the five people you spend the most time with, and you've been hanging out with Eric and John today. So with that, we'll catch you on the next episode of Feeding Your Passion. Until then, go be great, Passion Nation. As always, thank you so much for joining us today. If you enjoyed today's episode, be sure to subscribe. Also, please visit our website, feedingyourpassion.com, to sign up for our email list so that we can deliver each episode right to your inbox and so that you can give us feedback on our content 
because we want to be dialed in to what you're passionate about. Until next time, go be great, Passion Nation.